This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 3-1 pitch, swing and a drive. Deep to right field, way up there, way out of here. Goodbye baseball. Eight strikeout for the King tonight and make it... 23 consecutive scoreless innings for Phoenix. Strike three called on the outside corner, and there it is. It's time for the Seattle Mariners baseball podcast. Kyle Seager, that just happened. Thank you very much. Now, here's your host, Gary Hill. Welcome back to Mariners Pod, Seattle Mariners baseball podcast. Thanks for being here as we inch closer and closer to the regular season we're so close at this point Felix Hernandez getting the start yesterday and we'll talk about that in a second but his next start is going to be the real thing the opener so that's how close we are we're just one turn of the rotation away from starting this thing so very exciting stuff this will be an exciting podcast as always uh, we'll hear from the King, Felix Hernandez, on his last tune-up. The Mariners made a trade yesterday. We'll talk about that and hear from Jerry DePoto. Also, Colin O'Keefe is going to be by, and he's going to talk about some of the great stuff that he has been doing, some stuff that it's fantastic. And if you haven't been uh, – if you haven't seen it, take a look. It's good stuff. And also, this off season, I've spent a lot of time – making old Mariners audio digital. A lot of Mariners audio existed on uh, cassettes or on mini discs, all kinds of different media. And I've been going through and making a lot of things digital. So as we move through the course of this season, I'll be unveiling some pretty cool stuff from time to time. And today Actually, today and tomorrow, I'll play two different interviews from the same day, back-to-back. In 1997, when the Mariners were in Kansas City, as they were heading towards the end of the year, there were 19 games left to play that season. So September 8th in Kansas City, Ken Griffey Jr., the night before in Minnesota, had just hit his 50th home run of the season. So at that point, there was uh, certainly some excitement with 19 games to go, a chance to break the all-time single-season home run record. With 15, he had hit 50, 19 games to go, and we know how he would just burst and really hit him in bunches. So at that point, a possibility. So Dave Niehaus, he chatted with Ken Griffey Jr., and that's going to be the interview that we'll hold today. And also, he talked to the great Buck O'Neill about Ken Griffey Jr., We'll hear that interview tomorrow, and that is outstanding. So back-to-back interviews from the same day, Ken Griffey Jr. and Buck O'Neill. So you'll hear a piece of that as well. There was a game played yesterday, the Mariners falling, but really 
All eyes on Felix Hernandez in his final tune-up before the regular season hits. The Kings 2-2, swing and a miss for strike three as he gets Norris a 1-2-3 top of the third, and that will be the final pitch for Felix in the 2016 Cactus League. Nice way to end things. Yep, went 1-2-3, and Felix is in the books for spring training, comes out healthy, and here's what he had to say after the game. What were you looking to get out of that last outing? Just command of the pitches. First inning, I was up. Everything was up. Bastard, I fixed everything, and uh, it was good. After. What did you do to fix it? No, I just trying to throw the ball down. I want to strike some, and you know, get it get, get some quick outs. Did you ask for a third inning, or did they give that? Just they asked me, what do you think? I said, one more. You got 15 pitches. Thank what you. did you want to see in those last 15? Just one, two, three. One, two, three, make good pitches. Spring is always interesting for you and then you know, season starts things change how how do you kind of look at this last game no I'm not I'm not looking at uh, any results I mean yeah. just looking to be healthy I'm not healthy I'm just get ready for April 4th April 4th right around the corner that's Felix Hernandez a trade was made by the Seattle Mariners adding some bullpen help yesterday Nick Vincent coming over from the San Diego Padres Vincent spending parts of four seasons with the Padres, 2012 to last year. Last season, a 2.35 ERA in 26 games, all out of the bullpen, 23 innings in that span, striking out 22 and, and 10 walks. His strikeout rate has always been pretty good. What I find most intriguing about Vincent, when you kind of peel back the layers on the numbers – is he's been tremendously effective against righties in his career. You look at his career numbers, and they really stand out. In 350 plate appearances, he's fanned 113 and only walked 12. Pretty ridiculous strikeout-to-walk ratio. Opponents from the right side just batting 195 against Vincent. I think that's something to watch. And just in terms of context of what that strikeout-to-walk ratio means against righties. If you look at, if you compare him to in Major League Baseball since he came into the league in 2012 with uh, pitchers that have thrown at least 90 games, here are the leaders in strikeout-to-walk ratio against righties. Yuhara uh, with Boston, 11. Romo, San Francisco, 10.5. And, and then Vincent, third at 9.5. Scherzer falls behind him at just uh, under eight. Kluber at seven and a half, and then Scribner at seven. But that's uh, something really interesting to watch. And Jerry Depoto talked about the acquisition of Vincent and where exactly he fits in with the bullpen as a whole. Been an excellent performer during uh, the time he's had in the big leagues, and very consistently so. Has neutralized right-hand hitters uh, over, I think, two two years plus as a major leaguer, 162 outings, and has really you know, kind of dominated right-hand hitting. And there's no reason to expect that to change. He's you know, he's very cutter-centric. He's got a he's got a very usable fastball, and he's he's got some history in the big leagues. And I think it gives us a, a nice 
uh, a nice upgrade and additional depth in a bullpen that I think we were looking for. Mm -hmm. We needed it based on what happened throughout the course of this spring, and, and this is a, a nice solution. And fortunately, he only has to walk across the parking lot to take part. See again that you're looking at low, earlier in the bullpen or possibly towards more of the back? You know, that's going to be up to Scott and Stott. You know, the, where he fits is, is TBD. He has pitched in a setup role in the big leagues periodically. Uh, he is a guy who has managed a pretty high strikeout rate through the course of his career, and he's pitched in winning game situations. So, you know, wherever Scott sees him fitting in, then, then I'll be more than happy with that. But now between Nick Vincent and Joel Peralta and Tony Zick and, and Jack Benoit and Steve Ciszek, I feel like we have five you know, solid major league relievers from the right side. And, and with Nuno and Montgomery, that gives us two lefties, one with power and one with uh, a unique matchup ability versus the lefties. That's you know, a, a seven-man bullpen we're pretty comfortable with. And, and as well as the other guys in camp have thrown, you know, Don Roach and Guaype and Parker, the, the, the depth is more comfortable to us today than it was yesterday. This put you at 40? Yes. Okay, so there's, you don't have to do anything else. Well, you have to do something for all the Correct. Yeah. So there, there will be one move before we start the season forthcoming, but you know, for today we're at 40. Okay. Nick Vincent's on our club. Sure. Jerry, this gives you depth, but are you still continue to look? I mean, would you like to supplement even more if we can with all the kind of guys coming off rosters and stuff? Uh, I always like to, to get better, but that, the seven that I just named, that's our seven. And, you know, we are, you know, we're, we're, we're looking forward to getting this thing started. Obviously, Nick joins our club. He's an out-of-options pitcher, so he's, uh, we're, we're planning on breaking camp with him among our group. And barring injury, uh, the group is here. We've got those seven plus Parker, Roach, and, and Guaype left in camp. And we'll make the adjustment when the adjustment is, is ready. Those guys did a great job, truly did a great job. And any one of the three would be justifiably added to the 25-man roster. But the fact that we were able to get a guy with a, a good major league history like Nick and and, uh, and add him to, to the mix right now just makes me feel more comfortable. Roach, go back to starting at AAA then. Do you want him or do you want him pitching in a relief? I think the likelihood is we'll use him as a starter. And, you know, Don is so resilient that you know, if we need to shorten him up and, and bring him back as a reliever, we could. Now, he really opened a lot of eyes in this camp. And we're an acquisition like this, Don was in a very good position. And like the fact that he's multi-inning functional, like the fact that he can put the ball on the ground, and you know, and he's shown the strikeout pitch this spring that he's really never had in his career. So there's a, a unique uh, stretch, two-month stretch for Don Rhodes where he really uh, acclimated himself well to a new organization and opened the eyes of a coaching staff who has a lot of trust in him right now. In terms of other depth, how far out are Scribner and Cook? You know, we, Evan's probably a little further back than Ryan, which is not what we naturally expected. Ryan's done very well with the early stages of his rehab. We don't anticipate seeing any either of them before uh, mid-end of May, uh, thus the, the placement on the 60-day DL for Ryan. But uh, Ryan appears to be on target to be in that zone. Scribner is just a little bit of the unknown. We're still dealing with an injury that's, that's tough to pin down. It's not a common injury among pitchers, even though we have two of them in camp. So... You know, we have no timeline for either one of them. We're just we want them to be back and ready to, to stay out on the mound when they return. Kind of the same boat with Kerbush at this point, right? You know, and Charlie Charlie's a little bit more predictable in terms of what we anticipate his throwing program to lead to or when that'll start. You know, with Ryan and Evan, we don't know when that throwing program will start. With Charlie, we got a pretty good idea. Uh, I can't tell you when Charlie will be back pitching in a game, but I can tell you, you know, generally speaking, when we anticipate his throwing program starting. And 
so none of the three do we expect to contribute in April, and we'll see what happens after that. So there was a pretty good overview of where the bullpen sits right now, where Vincent fits in. The bullpen set was seven, some updates on the injuries, and obviously bullpen's going to be a focus as we start the season just a couple days away. So let's turn our attention now to our good friend of the podcast. Is We're going to welcome in Colin O'Keefe. Well, now we get a chance to visit with good friend Colin O'Keefe of the Seattle Mariners. Have you gotten used to that yet? Colin O'Keefe of the Seattle Mariners. It's pretty surreal. Like, I just like, you kind of like dance around it. Like today I was like setting up my phone. I was like, uh, yeah, I'm setting this up. I work with the Seattle Mariners. And I'm like, nice, nice. It's like, yeah, so it's, it's pretty surreal. It's pretty surreal. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Well, I wanted to have you on because uh, the work you're doing with zoning in, I mean, the work you're doing is fantastic as always, but zoning in has been a sensational feature that it's on the from the corner of Edgar and Dave blog on Mariners.com. Fantastic blog, all kinds of information for people that have never seen it. But your work on zoning in is sensational. Describe what you're doing every single day. So basically, uh, this was Nathan Rauschenberg's idea to basically put together a, a series every single day from, from 30 days, almost now 30 days ago, to take a look at, just a quick look at every player who, who potentially could be on the Mariners. We narrowed it down to 30, so there's you know some guys who may not be, some guys who, who might, won't be on there, but we got most of them on there, and, and in doing so, I try to just take a look give people kind of a quick snapshot on, on, on where people were last year, where they are heading into this year. And hopefully, you know, in the process, you know, find a couple interesting nuggets in there. It's just, uh, you know, nothing that's too analytical heavy, but just every now and then you find some things where in the data, it's a little piece of evidence some some, some quantifiable stuff that backs up, you know, some of the, the, the things that we see on the field and the, the impressions that we have. And, you know, some of the, you know, some of the, 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 backs up some of the language that we've heard as far as you know why the club looks like the way it does i mean you say quick look but you really i mean it goes in depth there's pictures there's videos that you give a, a glimpse of of what they do off the field uh, depending on the player i mean it, it's it's really a nice snapshot especially for a lot of the new faces yeah exactly taking a look at and i'm finding out things that like i never knew like for yeah, so, yeah, we have some videos. Some of my favorite highlights have gone through and pulled them in there. Like, these are things where I personally, like, this is, I mean, when I blogged, you know, outside of the Mariners, and for those who don't know, this is at mariners.com slash blog. That's a quick way to get to from the corner of Edgar and Dave. But similar, you know, to what I've always done, which is I, just as a fan, taking a look around and educating myself and just taking some of that and bringing it here. Like, for example, I hadn't seen a lot of Nathan Carnes, and Nathan Carnes had, like, a... 10 strikeout game against the Yankees last year. So we got some of those highlights up on there. Uh, and then also his Ashi Wakuma. I didn't know that uh, back in his native Japan, he does a lot of charity work with the Ronald McDonald house. And he actually, with his wife, put together a children's book that he gives out to the children there. So it's just an interesting look, yeah, on and off the field. We have some photos out of spring training so people can see some stuff that they might not have seen elsewhere. We have a bunch of stuff. We had uh, Ben Van Houten, who's our excellent photographer. He went down there and got some great spring training shots, so we share some of those on there as well. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's just a way to get a look at – all these individual players, some of their highlights, like Leonis Martin, we had we you know we had a nice reel put together of all of his big throws, so it was cool to share that in there. 
Um, and yeah, some analytical work, some off the field, some on the field, some photos, some video, just a bunch of good stuff. And if you go to, yeah, again, mariners.com slash blog. And then if you even check the categories, we have a bunch of stuff besides the zoning in on there. That's including all of our spring training updates. Um, but yeah, the zoning in series, you can see it in the categories and then we'll be sure to keep, you know, a bunch of good stuff on the blog going forward as well. Yeah. Uh, it's a it's a must hit every day. I mean, the blog is is a must see, and you conveniently have all the players listed at the very end too, so you can just click mm-hmm. and go, and it's great. And I want to talk about one in particular that you just put up a couple of days ago now, Taiwan Walker, because it, this is the time of year where you start to see the list, you know, the breakout list, that kind of thing, and Taiwan Walker is getting a lot of attention nationally in terms of a guy on the cusp of breaking out. And I thought you had some pretty interesting information on what really worked for him last year. Yeah. And I mean, this is just coming, you know, basically, you know, in my role with this, I'm basically just, you know, a fan in the marketing department who's kind of curating some stuff together, but uh, you know, it was interesting. I mean, he said it was just being aggressive and trusting his stuff. That was, for example, what he said on the Cactus League report as far as what he did. And I think this is a stat I may have even, you know, mentioned on his podcast previously. But o- over his final 20 starts after, you know, the, the way that things started out for him in 2015, over his last 20 starts, he struck out 118 batters and walked only 17. <laughs> so he really just decided, you know, I'm going to you know, it was like, you know, looking on as a fan, it was like, you know, I got good stuff. I'm going to trust it. I'm going to go after people. And he did that. The strikeouts were there, you know, and just taking a look at that. He also said he started to, you know, he started to trust his curveball. Like in the game against the twins, he threw, uh, you know, at the second most he did all year and taking a look at it. But he said, I'm just going to trust my curveball a little bit more. He just as, you know, not necessarily as like a, an enormous, you know, staple of his repertoire, but just something that he said, you know, it would keep people off the fastball and the changeup, and it most certainly did. And that was something that you know I saw. We saw an uptick in it uh, over the you know over the year last year, and it's going to be interesting to watch heading into 2016. I just heard uh, Mel Stottlemyre on the Cactus League report talking about how he's going to uh, switch over to a slider as well from his from his cutter. So that's going to be interesting to watch too. Yeah, and it was such a tough start numbers wise that that run was kind of masked just in terms of overall numbers, but. You pointed out, I mean, it, it, the strikeout-to-walk ratio was incredible. Teams just uh, – guys were, just weren't able to square him up at all. Opponents just betting 228 against him during that stretch. It was just – he was so good. The The final numbers never really caught up to how good he was in that stretch. But that's a long time. I mean, that's that's May till the end of the season. That is a long stretch of solid <laughs> pitching. Yeah, exactly. I think there was something in, like, the Sports Illustrated preview that was like – pointed out his overall era and how mariners fans must be disappointed or something like that and it's like whoa wait like i know everyone around here is really excited for tyler walker especially <laughs> you know when people were excited about his 2015 you know how it turned out in the end and the way he was you know what he was able to do i think his is his that that game against minnesota was one of you know personally one of my favorite games of 2015 it was just just outstanding it is kind of funny i've thought about this too how you how you would break this out but how much uh you know he gave up nine earned runs in a game early last year his first appearance and then a seven earned run game after that those can affect the era so much and you just take out a couple for each guy it's always interesting to look at things in that way yeah yeah i mean even over those last 20 i mean he dropped it down to 3.62 which is you know very reasonable and it's it's 
you know, it's, it'll be, I'm, I'm curious to see how he comes out, you know, guns ablaze in here. And I'm excited to see what, what, what Ty does, uh, you know, just again, speaking as a fan, it's, you know, you want to see if, if I think everyone is warranted in being excited uh, as far as what, what Tywin Walker might do here in, in 2016. And speaking of ranks, I've seen Mariners rotation pretty well thought of nationally. And of course, Felix Hernandez at the head of that rotation as well. Where do you see the Mariners rotation just in a general sense coming into this season? I mean, I think the depth that they got was, was really nice. I mean, I think, just from you know, just wrote about Iwakuma where you know Jerry said it was sometimes it takes a little luck. The the depth that they got as a result of that is probably, you know, the biggest thing. But, it, and I mean speaking, you know, you, you you know you have Felix who's going to be very motivated. Um, but Iwakuma is somebody that I think people sometimes tend to forget how good he can be. I mean, I, I like I wrote about, he was one of the best starters in the American League down the stretch. I mean, he was up in the the, the I think he was number 6 in the second league, second half as far in the American League as far as wins above replacement. So he was right there in that upper tier in the second half. And he I mean, this is somebody that's only a couple of years removed from being third place in the American League Cy Young award voting. So, you know, you take Felix, you take Kuma, uh, and then you take a guy like Carnes, where I think yeah, I, I wrote where he is his his he's way up there in terms of his strikeouts per nine innings. I mean, he's up, you know, in the I think the top fifteen to the top twenty. So he's way up there. When he's on, he can he can really miss some bats. Uh, and it's just you have a lot of talent in there. You have like yeah, Felix at the top. You have Kuma. And then after that, you're going to have Miley, who's just going to soak up innings. And then Walker, I think, is slated to go four off the start, but it doesn't really matter once we get started. And then you have Walker, uh, whose you know ceiling is is as high as it could possibly be. And then you have you know Collins, like I mentioned, with his his filthy stuff. It's, I mean, people. I think the Fangraphs projected had him somewhere around tenth, and mm. it's like you're talking about a rotation that, with conservative projections, has them tenth with a couple of guys that has a pretty high ceiling. So. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see which way it goes. But yeah, again, just you know, looking at it, you know, as a you know, looking at it the way I've always had, it, it looks. It's going to be interesting. There's a lot of talent. They got, like Jerry says, you know, you, he he raised the floor in a lot of capacities. And I mean, this is this is a rotation where you have you know James Paxton, who's who's not going to break camp, and and Paxton's a really talented kid. Today's a fun day because Felix Hernandez takes the mound, and to know that the next time. We see Felix Hernandez on a mound. It's going to be for real against the Texas Rangers. Yeah, exactly. And it's like now it starts. Now it starts really turning. Like on the blog today, they posted pictures of all the boxes in the locker room. They're starting to pack up. It's just now, yeah, the next time that he faces off, I mean, it's going to get – it feels real. I mean, we got a matchup against the, the team that won the American League West next year. Cole Hamill's on the map. Yeah, Cole Hamill's on the mound. Mm-hmm. It gets really, really serious. Not serious, but it's, it's fun. It, it's serious in a very fun way. It's not like you know, this is a huge series or anything of that ilk, but it, now we get going. And I mean, you know, you look at it, it's Wednesday. People, or it's, it, it's this podcast is run on Thursday. People are going to listen to this. You know, we only got two more days, of, <laughs> two more work days before you get started. The next, it's like you got Thursday, you make it through Thursday, and then it's Friday. It's like, oh, that's Friday. That doesn't really count. And then you get over to, you know, you get over to Monday. It's like, all right, we're playing baseball. And we're playing baseball like one in the afternoon. We got a day gate going. Oh, so I know. I know. I can't wait. We're almost there. Well, great yeah, work. Uh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just saying. And then the biggest thing is, you know, we're just about through spring training and 
biggest thing you're trying to do is just stay healthy and it's it, it, it looks it appears they've done that so it's a big 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 thing that that they're able to get through and yeah it, it's i couldn't be more excited for opening day and i could be more excited to to just see this team up close to see this whole operation up close because everything that i've heard uh you know just coming out from what people have been reporting uh sounds like a great great group no doubt we're looking forward to it great work uh, already and we'll be following very closely through the season and i know this won't be your last visit certainly so thanks for the time we'll talk to you soon absolutely talk soon thanks for having me on gary all right great visit with colin as always as now we're gonna listen to a vintage interview from the 1997 season ken griffey jr at the time had just hit his 50th home run of the season Mariners were in Kansas City to take on the Royals. September 8th was the day. By the way, keep in mind after you hear this, he, he went homerless in those two games in Kansas City. The Mariners returned home, and in fact, he didn't hit a home run in his next seven games. After this interview, then he hit two against the Blue Jays. He ended up... He, he ended up hitting two against the Blue Jays and had another two home run a game against Oakland. He ended the season with 56 long balls, drove in 147, and hit 304. So tomorrow we're going to hear what Buck O'Neill had to say about Ken Griffey Jr. Right now, though, here's Dave Niehaus with Ken Griffey Jr. You know something, son? I, I don't think I have seen that smile on your face that you had when you crossed home plate yesterday afternoon since... Uh since the playoff game in 1995 when you scored on Edgar's double down the left field line. Uh, that had to be a very happy home run for you. Well, it's something. You know, I had a, one taken away from me last year, so I didn't get the, the happiness that I got yesterday. Uh, you know, yesterday was something that, you know, it wasn't like it was a goal of mine, but I accomplished something that I had a chance to. And uh, that's the important thing. I brought that up immediately. I said, you hit 50 last year. A lot of people don't realize that. You've hit 100 home runs in the last two years, which is truly phenomenal. The, the paparazzi is in the news these days because of, you know what, the tragedy with, the, with Diana. And the paparazzi uh, following you around, I would imagine in the next three weeks it's going to get even tougher. Have you found it to be even more so than normal? Yeah, see, I can hide out. <laughs> You know, they can only catch me at the ballpark. They can't come to my room. You know, they don't know what hotel I stay in, nothing. So, you know, that doesn't bother me. I just want to go out there and help this team win. And if, if they come, then they come. If not, then that's fine. Uh, yeah, a four-game lead now with, uh, what, 19 to go. The focus is going to be on you, the, the final 19. But this is a ball club that right now is doing it kind of, kind of banged up, kind of hurt, and without Randy Johnson. So that's a pretty good sign. Hopefully we can get Randy back. Uh, I know Alex and Edgar are in there today, so you know that's a, a, a plus. We just got to continue to 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 play and, and play consistent. That's the main thing. If we can play consistent, I think we're gonna go through the get through the. You know, the numbers are there. While you've hit what six home runs in the last seven games, or seven home runs in the last six games, ten home runs in the last thirteen games, are are you into that groove like you were a few years ago when you hit what ten home runs in eight consecutive games? I don't even go in there and think about home runs. As long as I can hit the ball and we score runs, that's the main thing. I got 50, you know, what else can I get? That's not bad for a non-home run hitter. No. <laughs> Just got lucky. Wind blown out a few times, hit a ball, 
Yeah, but I don't think about hitting home runs. I want to just go out there and think about hitting the ball hard somewhere and whatever happens, happens, happens. Outside of your dad, uh, who do you admire in this game most? Well, my favorite guy was Kirby Puckett, you know, because he was a guy that always smiled and, you know, people told him he was too small, too big, and, uh, well, too short and too big, and uh, he had a great career. And, uh, you know, he, he helped everyone, and he's still helping everyone, even, in the, you know, with the lost eye. Uh, even in his tragedy, he still goes out there and does things in the community like uh, he's still playing. You get a bigger thrill out of hitting a home run or making a, a fantastic catch? A uh, catch because it's just you and the ball and that's it. And Hitting a home run, I know I'm going to hit a few, but getting to a ball that nobody thinks I'm going to get to and, and making a catch, and I can do, I can laugh and smile more. And that's the important thing is I can go out there and, and be myself in the outfield, not like I can at the, the plate. You know, when you hit a home run, you can't really laugh or, or smile. you got to run around the bases, and, and that's it. Every uh, ball club we play, you have a guy that you always go up to that's a real good friend of yours. Kirby Puckett with the Minnesota Twins you mentioned. Chili Davis you are just talking to here with the, the Kansas City Royals. Uh, not necessarily the man you admire the most, but... Uh, but who do you think comes closest to you in this game as far as capturing the imagination of the fans? I mean, who would you pay to see play? Well, that would have been Kirby. Would have been. Who would you pay to see play now? I, I don't know. You know, there's a lot of great players, and, but there's not too many guys that go out and smile and enjoy themselves. And, and those are the guys that I go watch, the guys who you know come to – the ballpark who won the play and, and it shows by smiling and enjoying themselves. Well, if there is anybody that have a gazillion reason to enjoy themselves, it's Ken Griffey Jr. this year with 19 to go. I know that everybody, nobody more than me, is pulling for you to pull off the feet. And the feet that you don't talk about, but the feet you say you have no pressure about, and I really believe that. I, it, It's amazing how you have handled all of this. Uh, do you talk to Dad a lot about it? Or, Nobody, yeah? No, we don't talk about home runs. We talk <laughs> about other things. I get, hey, how you doing? Where's my grandson? Okay, Dad, here he is. And that's it. <laughs> that's a granddaughter, too. Yeah, but Trey doesn't, Taryn doesn't talk yet. <laughs> so, yeah, that's it. You know, Mom got uh, granddaughter. He got grandson. Well, I appreciate it. Uh, number 50, you got a lot of time left. It's, it's going to be fun watching it. I as I mentioned, I was just on a Kansas City Royals pregame show. I, we're watching something uh, this year, watching greatness that uh, very few people have had a chance to see, and, and you're the biggest part of it, Junior. Congratulations. And go you. after it. Go after it. No, I can't do that. <laughs> All right. Ken Griffey, Jr., our guest. And we'll have more when we continue right after this timeout. See you later. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 